Welcome to Capital Conversations, an ERLC podcast from Washington, D.C., where we help Christians imagine a new way to engage in the public square. I'm your host, Chelsea Soblick. Our conversations cover the policy debates and news shaping our world as we aim to connect our Christian theological motivations to political engagement in Washington. My hope for this podcast is that the conversations around our table will foster a new way for Christians to engage in the public square. This week, we have a special episode with Matthew Sorens from World Relief to discuss those who qualify for special immigrant visas from Afghanistan and those fleeing persecution who qualify for the refugee resettlement program. I wanted to have Matthew on in a special episode to discuss what's happening in Afghanistan and why Christians and the United States government should be welcoming those who are fleeing political violence and persecution. Matthew over at World Relief is a a great friend and partner of not only the ERLC, but also our sister entity, Send Relief, as we all seek to care for vulnerable people who are fleeing uh, violence and persecution. As we recorded this episode, it is at the tail end of August where the U.S. has officially withdrawn from Afghanistan. And we discuss uh, kind of an overview of what happened over the past couple weeks, what we anticipate happening moving forward, and how not only the U.S. government, but churches and Christians can get involved in caring for those who are coming to our country on special immigrant visas and those who are coming to our country as refugees. We hope that you will enjoy this episode. Matthew, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, it's good to be with you, Chelsea. So I want to jump right in. You work at the organization World Relief. Can you give us an overview of the organization and your work there? Yeah, so World Relief was started back in the 40s to respond to a crisis of mass displacement after World War II. And it was actually a a church, Park Street Church in Boston, that Uh, decided they wanted to raise some funds and come alongside other churches in the U.S., working with the National Association of Evangelicals to support churches in Europe with the the response post-war. And then since the 70s, uh, World Relief has been involved in resettling refugees to the United States. And actually, uh, our origins with that are at at a moment rather similar to what we're experiencing in the last couple weeks. Saigon had fallen, and many of the U.S.'s South Vietnamese allies had been forced to flee. And it was actually a missionary couple uh, in the U.S. who had served in Vietnam, but was then back in the U.S. who, you know, they were getting not the not the WhatsApp messages and emails that we're getting now, but telegraphs and, and phone calls and letters from some of their friends back in South Vietnam who had been in Vietnam who'd had to flee and basically said, is there anything that you can do to help us get to safety? And this missionary couple basically knocked on every door they could find and um, eventually was able to partner with not only with their own denomination, but with a bunch of different denominations, including with a lot of Southern Baptists, um, by bringing that under the auspices of World Relief. So since 1979, World Relief has welcomed more than about 300,000 refugees into the United States. Wow, that's amazing. And how long have you been there and what's your role there? So I started uh, as an intern with World Relief with some of our international programs in Nicaragua in 2005. And then I joined our staff outside of Chicago in Wheaton, Illinois in 2006. And my first role was focused on legal services, so helping refugees apply for their green cards and uh, other immigrants with legal assistance. But for more than a decade now, my role has primarily been focused on serving local churches and denominations and really helping look at how do we think about these 
big issues of refugee resettlement and other immigration issues from the perspective of the Bible? And then how do we practically apply that, both in terms of ministry opportunities, as well as how we think about some of the public policy questions? And, and we do that in partnership with um, with you all at the RLC through the Evangelical Immigration Table and other partners like the National Association of Evangelicals, the National Latino Evangelical Coalition, and others. Well, I just want to say it is a joy to partner um, with you and with World Relief to continue serving um, our nation's most vulnerable. So today we are specifically talking about those fleeing violence and persecution um, in Afghanistan. But before we kind of drill into some of those specific questions, I was wondering if you could give us a brief history of the refugee resettlement program and why it matters. Yeah, well, so our origins with World Relief came along right alongside the history of the U.S. Refugee Resettlement Program. Uh, obviously, I mean, if you can go back to the pilgrims, people have been fleeing persecution and coming to the United States. But in terms of the formal idea of, of a refugee, that is part of a an international agreement to which the United States is a party and has been since the late 1960s, that was really had its origins, again, back in the World War II era, when after, frankly, a lot of countries, including the United States, turned away people who were fleeing persecution under the Nazis. Most countries said, well, we shouldn't have done that, and we won't do that again. And so here's the rules of both who can be resettled as a refugee and define a refugee, someone who has fled a credible fear of persecution for particular reasons under the law, and then also how we treat those who seek asylum, so who weren't necessarily brought to the U.S. because they're refugees, but who show up here and the terms under which we would be required to allow them to stay. And that's uh, that was passed in 1980 um, with incredibly bipartisan support in Congress. It's worth noting that historically this has been something that wasn't a partisan issue. And yeah, again, World Relief has been a part of that since nearly about that time. We've resettled about 300,000 people, but between the other resettlement agencies, it's been more than 3 million since the Refugee Act of 1980 was signed. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's basically worked in the same way for decades and for World Relief, certainly, you know, we work with the State Department, but we also work with thousands of local churches because our staff are amazing, but they're finite human beings. So we're able to do much more by leaning on teams from local churches that are going to connect relationally to those who are arriving and, and you know, need a lot of support when they first arrive, but probably more than anything, need friendship. They need someone who will walk alongside them through some, sometimes some language barriers and some awkward cultural misunderstandings and help them to adjust to life in a very new and very different place. Absolutely. So what, so say someone is applying for, to be a, a refugee in the United States, what is that process like for them? How, how do they go through that process? Yeah, I mean, the normal process, and we're seeing a little, a few exceptions to the norm in the last few weeks, <laughs> is the United States, first of all, I mean, there's 26 and a half million refugees in the world. The United States this year is probably on track to take, well, this fiscal year that ends in a month, maybe around 10,000. So, you know, it is a drop in the bucket. And even that's some of that is related to COVID and some of the policy decisions of the, the last administration. But even at a normal time, the U.S. takes maybe one half of 1% of the world's refugees in a given year. So it's not um, by any means the first option for those fleeing persecution. It's sort of the last hope for someone for whom living in a refugee camp is untenable. They're, they may not make it there or whether because of a health issue or they face further discrimination, even in that second setting, they may be, you know, have fled too, or because their family's already here, they could be reunited to family if resettled. The vast majority of refugees that World Relief has resettled in the last few years have actually been family reunification cases. How that works is basically the U.S. will either as unilaterally identify someone for 
consideration for a settlement or they'll take a referral from the United Nations. Uh, but they don't just take the UN's word for anything. They then do a very thorough review process and vetting process that takes usually a couple years. Um, it's what the Heritage Foundation has said is the most thorough vetting that our country has for any category of visitor or immigrant who comes into the country. And I think that's important because, you know, there's a lot of Americans have appropriate questions. Well, is this safe? The U.S. Refugee Resettlement Program has this really remarkable track record of safety. And that's not something we think we should cut corners on. It's important to have thorough vetting. Although though, that also brings us up to the current situation where it's appropriate to say we don't want to bring someone in until we know that they are indeed the right person who qualifies, who's no way a public safety threat. But there's not always time to make those determinations when people need to get out. And that's with the situation in Afghanistan, where we've been saying at World Relief for several months before Kabul fell, before the Taliban was in control of, of many parts of the country, of Afghanistan, we were really urging the Biden administration, you know, once they announced that we're taking U.S. troops out, and we haven't, as an organization, that's sort of not our lane to, you know, to know if that's the right or the wrong decision. But what we were really clear on is if you're going to remove U.S. troops, before you do that, you need to remove the people who have pending cases um, for something called a special immigrant visa. So this is very similar to refugees ex- with the caveat that you're not usually considered a refugee till you're outside of your country. Uh, the U.S., the Congress created something a number of years ago called a special immigrant visa specifically for Afghans and also Iraqis who served alongside the U.S. military or other parts of the U.S. mission in Afghanistan or Iraq. Often these are translators. And because of their service to and affiliation with the United States, they were facing threats. So it was pretty obvious to us that if the Taliban was likely to retake control, which I, you know most of the Afghans that we've served in the U.S. sort of saw coming, and they were desperately concerned for their loved ones who were stuck in this kind of long vetting process. Um, and some of that, it's not just a vetting process. Some of it is appropriate security checks, but frankly, that can be done fairly quickly. A lot of it is just bureaucracy. So we've been urging the Biden administration to get people out. And unfortunately, they didn't really start that process on a significant level until Kabul fell, and they only controlled the Kabul airport. And of course, now, as we're recording, even that is no longer the U.S. is to control. And the result is there were many people who were gotten out. Some of them have come to the United States already. If they were at the end of that process and could be approved for a special immigrant visa, World Relief has received about 360 Afghans this month. But the vast majority have been brought into third countries like Qatar or you know U.S. Air Force bases in Qatar or Germany or elsewhere where they'll undergo further processing. And then eventually, once they've cleared all the security checks, um, some of them will be brought to the United States. But also many of those individuals with pending cases did not get out. And that's something you know we're going to continue to hold the Biden administration accountable to. That was a commitment of our nation to those individuals who, frankly, have risked more for this country than I ever have and than most of our listeners probably ever have. And we really think it's unconscionable to leave those people behind. Absolutely. Um, You mentioned at the beginning that we have partnered together. Us um, and a a number of evangelical organizations um, have formed the Evangelical Immigration Table. And we recently sent uh, President Biden a letter asking him to make good on that promise that he made to those Afghan allies um, who qualify for social immigrant visas. You just talked about it, though. The reality is, you know, we certainly need to prioritize that population. But the reality is there are people who are fleeing violence, whether it's uh, women or religious minorities who don't qualify. And in that letter, we also urge the Biden administration 
to offer what's called uh, priority to refugee status. Um, can you speak more to why why that's also important and how and why the United States should prioritize welcoming refugees right now? Yeah, that's such a great point, Chelsea, because as much as I think most Americans, the vast majority of Americans, it seems like, understand the moral case for why we would need to stand with people who who are threatened specifically because of their association with the United States, there's also a lot of other Afghans who are threatened by the Taliban, whether because they're a Christian or another religious minority, or because, frankly, because they're a woman who has pursued the opportunity of education in the last several years that was not available to them under the Taliban, or people who are associated with like an American non-governmental organization, and it's not necessarily going to qualify them for a special immigrant visa. So unfortunately, the population of people who are going to be vulnerable is just immense. And we're already seeing large numbers of those people who, who are trying to flee to Pakistan or through Iran, perhaps into Turkey. I mean, there's not great options of where to go, frankly, and the traveling with checkpoints from the Taliban is dangerous. But that's why we have you know, joined the RLC at World Relief and with our other partners with the Evangelical Immigration Table and basically asking for a priority for settlement for some of those uniquely vulnerable populations and actually urging the Biden administration to make, as I said, in general, to be a refugee, you've got to get out of the country. But at this particular moment where that's so difficult, obviously the evacuation has not been an option for the vast majority of these people and getting across the land border is very difficult. We had urged the Biden administration to um, make a, a, you know, make sort of an exception to allow for refugee processing in country for people who meet those priority designations. And some people were evacuated out to Qatar or elsewhere who will eventually be able to come to the United States, but the, the vast majority were not. And frankly, at this point, it's not clear how the U.S. would do in-country processing because we don't have an embassy that's active in Afghanistan anymore. So it's, I mean, I'm sorry to say, but it, it seems like the U.S. has left a lot of those people without good options. So I think the two-part, maybe three-part response, one, when I don't know what else to do, prayer is always a good place to start. We should be really fervent in prayer for those sisters and brothers in Christ. And also for the vast, you know, the majority of Afghans are not Christians, obviously. They're still neighbors whom we're called to love. They're still people made in the image of God. Uh, and um, we should be advocating for them equally to have safety and the opportunity to flourish. Secondly, so prayer, that's one form of advocacy with, with God and then advocating with our elected officials. It's harder to see how this is going to happen now than it was even a month ago. But still, you know, we can't give up on those people just because it it seems difficult. And then the third reminder is that we still do have a number of people who are arriving already, and we will have more people arriving. And there is going to be a lot of need for volunteers, for financial support, for, you know, the in-kind donations like um, dishes and sheets and laundry detergent and all the things that all of us need to live. We want to make sure that those things are in an apartment when a family arrives. And we've seen just incredible um, response from local churches including a lot of Southern Baptists in partnership. World Relief has been partnering with Send Relief, which has been an exciting new partnership. But actually, we still have more needs than we're anticipating a really large number of Afghans arriving in the coming months as they complete that processing in those third country locations. And some of them are going to arrive with their special immigrant visas all, you know, everything finalized. Others, and we think this is the right thing to do, they'll complete their security screening, but they are going to be paroled into the country, which means rather than going through the super bureaucratic process to finalize the special immigrant visa, we're going to get them to a safe place as soon as we know that they're safe and the right people to be here. The challenge of that is that they don't qualify for some of the same benefits that a 
someone granted a special immigrant visa does or someone resettled as a refugee. So we're actually we may need to rely even more heavily on local churches and individuals to help um, help support those families. So so let's dig in there. So let's say there are uh, pastors and Christians listening that want to help. What are some of the the best ways that they can get involved in helping and serving uh, refugees coming to their their states and their cities? Yeah, so every refugee and everyone granted a special immigrant visa and now every Afghan who's paroled in and uh, with this uh, process that's kind of a longstanding part of our immigration laws is going to be assigned to one of nine national organizations that basically run the refugee resettlement organization on the U.S. side. So most of those are faith-based organizations of, of some sort or another. The Catholic Church is actually the largest of those. World Relief is is the only sort of distinctly evangelical of those organizations. There's a um, the Church World Service, there's Lutheran Immigration Refugee Services, the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, HIAS, uh, the International Rescue Committee. So depending upon where you live, um, there's a good chance that there's at least one of those resettlement agencies operating. Um, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has a pretty helpful map so you can just see where all those local agencies are because they're all affiliated with one of these national networks. But of course, World Relief, for example, we've got um, at this point, I think, 16 or 17 offices in different parts of the U.S., so for World Relief, you can find those offices at worldrelief.org, and there's links there to see where those locations are. Um, and again, with, um, Send Relief has been helping us coordinate from some of the Southern Baptist churches as well to make connections. If we're not there, but you know, one of the other agencies is, they would all appreciate volunteers and, and support right now. And then even beyond that, I mean, we have some of those, the financial need, obviously, a church anywhere could help with that. The reality is we do have a lot of Afghans arriving already. Almost half of our arrivals have gone to California, um, either to Sacramento or to Modesto, California. And the reason for that is just that Afghans are given basically the option to identify, do you have someone you want to go live near? And often that's a family member, which of course makes total sense. It so happens that one in nine you know, individuals born in Afghanistan who currently lives in the United States lives in the Sacramento area. So really, when they know someone in the United States, it's very often going to be in Sacramento. Um, and Modesto is similar, San Francisco is similar, Seattle, Fort Worth, Dallas, D.C. are all kind of the other communities that we're seeing. Um, and World Relief is okay, has offices in all those locations except for D.C. And there, I know Lutheran Social Services kind of take the lead. But as more come in, we expect they'll sort of be distributed to other parts of the country as well. But even if you're, you know, six hours from an airport and probably won't be seeing refugees resettled, that, you know, you could help financially or even I know our Sacramento office, which has been taken in the majority or the plurality of those we've been receiving, they have a, an Amazon wish list on their website for some of those welcome kit items, which our, our donations manager, who because of the COVID dynamics has been working from home. Uh, I saw a picture of her front porch the other day with literally Amazon <laughs> boxes like piled above her oh head. Oh my goodness. People have been amazing, but we're receiving several families a night. So it, you know, that sort of help is incredibly, incredibly helpful. Absolutely. So what I hear you saying is there are just a number of ways people can get involved in helping. It doesn't just have to be, you know, this one specific way. And, you know, I think as Christians, or I know as Christians, God calls us to care for the most vulnerable among us and to love our neighbor. And this is such a tangible way to love our neighbor. And when we care for the most vulnerable, we're telling the world about our God and what he's like, and he loves um, all of us. So I am just uh, so thankful for you, Matthew, and your work um, over at World Relief and um, how passionately you speak on behalf of 
vulnerable people um, who are fleeing violence and persecution and really appreciate you uh, sharing today and reminding us of our role as Christians to play. So uh, where can people um, stay in touch with you and your work? Yeah, so definitely you can find more about our response at worldrelief.org. I'm also on Twitter uh, or Instagram. It's just my full name, um, Matthew with two T's, and my last name is Sorens, S-O-E-R-E-N-S. And then certainly the Evangelical Immigration Table, which is evangelicalimmigrationtable.com. We've got a ton of resources on, you know, around Afghans, but also around immigrants and refugees more generally. And not just in terms of, well, how do I do ministry and how do I do advocacy, but also hold this on a second. I'm not sure what I think about this. How do I step back and look at this as a discipleship issue? We've got a great um, ebook we call Thinking Biblically about immigrants and immigration reform there that people can download for free. We've got a Bible reading guide. Um, and I should also mention, um, you know, in partnership with our partners at Send Relief, I'll be doing a, an event uh, on September 10th uh, with Bryant Wright. We'll be down in the Atlanta area, but also virtual. So if, you know, for those who don't want to get on a plane, you can tune in so that you can find that at the Send Relief website as well and register for that. And if you want to kind of go deeper, it'll be kind of a, like a four hour, really, you know, intensive look at how can the church stand with Afghan refugees right now. That's fantastic. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chelsea. This is Capital Conversations, an ERLC podcast from Washington, D.C. If you enjoyed today's show, send a link to this podcast to a friend or family member in your community who might want to learn more about this topic. Be sure to subscribe to Capital Conversations so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a rating and review to help others find the show. Resources from today's episode are available in the show notes and at erlc.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you next time.